Assalamu alaikum dear listeners and welcome to CIC's podcast channel. In this series, Sheikh Akram will explore the profound teachings of Imam Nawawi, one of the most revered Islamic scholars of our time. His collection of 40 hadith encompasses a treasure trove of guidance and timeless wisdom. So get ready to be inspired and motivated. Al-Hadith al-Sabi'a Ashar An-Nabiyya ala Shaddad ibn Awsin radiyallahu ta'ala anhu al-Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala inna Allah kataba al-Ihsana ala kulli shay فإذا قتلتم فأحسنوا القتلة وإذا ذبحتم فأحسنوا الذبحة وليحد أحدكم شفرته وليرح ذبيحته. The Prophet said, Allah had written Ihsan on everything. Ihsan means doing this nicely for everything. Whatever you do, do it properly. And that's why the people say actually, good believer is a, if he's a shoemaker, his way should be make nicely. If you're a shoemaker, don't worry, but make shoe nicer. That how uh, everything that believers do, they must do nicely, properly, you know, in good quality, as, as best as possible. Allah SWT has written, you know, that people should do things in everything. When you kill, you know, kill properly, nicely. You know, don't make you know, people suffering or things like that. Whenever killing happens, it should happen properly, nicely. So like for example, you know, making, you know, taking revenge from the people and cutting their nose and the ear and this and that, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, with the body, not allowed. People, and for example, actually not only that, we, most folk of Islam say that if unbelievers, they get, kill Muslims in a very bad way, they do musala, they cut their part of the body and all those things. When the believer takes the revenge, they are not allowed to do same. They are only allowed to kill the person. They are not allowed to take revenge in the way of the killing. They only are allowed to kill the person and the way of the killing, they should leave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whenever you kill, kill properly. And whenever you slaughter, slaughter the animal properly. How? One should sharpen the edge of the knife. Properly, sharpen properly and then slaughter it. And make effort to bring comfort to the slaughtered animal. You know, by feeding it and by doing properly, uh, you know, and and doing it quickly, not leave for, you know, for, uh, for, for a long period. So this is one of the obligations of the people, you know, people uh, uh, must follow that. But and what actually is not allowed in Islam, Musala. Musala is not allowed. Musala basically, as mentioned, is not allowed that you kill the people and then you, you know, corrupt in the part of their body, you know, take their, cut their nose and eyes and hair and nose and like that. That's not allowed. Though there are some people like Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, and Muhammad, they say if the killer, unbeliever, he killed Muslims and he did musala with them, he distorted their bodies, then Muslims are allowed to take the same thing, do the revenge. But many people of the hadith and the fiqh, Imam Hanifa, Imam Sufyan Thawri, and Hanbali, one of the narration, they say no. The only thing Muslims can do is only killing, but not the way of the killing. And the killing should happen with the sword. So if the unbeliever has killed with other weapons or with something else, Muslims should not use the same method. They should kill with the things really which can make the killing easier and, and, and softer. Ibn Abbas narrates that the Prophet وسلم, he passed by a man who was putting his, 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 his foot on, on, the, on, the, on the part of the neck of goat, you know, slaughtering it. And then the knife was not sharp enough. So then after that he started also sharpening the knife. And while the animal actually suffering there, so the Prophet وسلم, and the animal was looking at that person. The Prophet said to him, Afala qabla hadha? You should have sharpened your, your knife before this thing. Now when you're slaughtering the animal, now you're sharpening the knife, you're making more punishment. Do you want to kill it twice? One killing is when you kill it and one killing is when it's looking at that you're going to kill it. 
تو دس ایکچولی ناٹ الاؤڈ حمبر رحم اللہ سید تو قاد قودن رفیقہ وین یو ٹیک دا اینیمل فار سلاٹرنگ ٹیک اٹ نائسلی سافٹلی پراپرلی ڈونٹ رش ڈونٹ ہارم اٹ ڈونٹ پٹ اینی برڈن اپارٹ نائسلی وہ توار سکین آنہا اینڈ یو مسٹ ہائڈ دا نائف فرام اٹ تو وین یو گوئنگ ٹو کل اٹ سلاٹر اٹ ہائڈ دا نائف ڈونٹ شو اٹ نائف لائق ہر سکین دا نائف شوڈ ناٹ بی اپیئرنگ ایکسپٹ ایٹ دا ٹائم آف دا سلاٹرنگ اٹ شوڈ بی ہڈن سم ویئر اینڈ وین یو آر اباؤٹ ٹو سلاٹر دا اینیمل دین ٹیک آؤٹ دا نائف اینڈ سلاٹر پراپرلی بیفور دیٹ شوئنگ دا نائف اینڈ یو نو اینڈ آلسو سلاٹرنگ دا اینیمل ان فرنٹ آف ادر اینیملس وین دے کین سی واٹ ہیپننگ دیٹ ناٹ الاؤڈ دس تھنکلی مکروڈ ڈس لائک پیپل شوڈ اوائڈ دیٹ اینڈ یو نو ڈاؤٹ ریلی اللہ سبحانہ و تعالیٰ از مرسی فل ناٹ اونلی ود ہیومن بینگ از مرسی فل ود آل ہز کریشنس اینڈ اینی تھنگ دیٹ ہیز گاٹ سول یو نو اللہ سبحانہ و تعالیٰ مرسی فل ود دیٹ تھنگ اینڈ دیر حدیث آف دا پر she has uh, uh, you know uh, had a, a, a cat and she did not feed the cat properly until the cat died and for that reason she was punished in the far of hell and there was another woman she was prostitute and she she helped a dog to drink water and for that actually thing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave that woman so you can see really there are so much care for the animals but no doubt really people should not exaggerate in this matter you know exaggeration when the people go to this limit that even they don't allow animal to be eaten or something like that that's not allowed and also people should not prefer the animals over the human being you can see certain people they don't find any harm to hurt the human being and to kill them and to harm them and at the same time they make you know big speeches about the animals and things like that we agree with them the animal should be respected but human being has got more respect than the animals you know people should be consistent in this matter should we stop now okay then let's stop it here inshallah So I've done at least 17 hadith.
So this time it's going to be held on the first week of June, and we do need to raise money for that. So if you can just please purchase these DVDs and, and give it to people, as well as there's a donation box outside. And inshallah, we'll do a fundraiser tomorrow if there's any time. Uh, but uh, please know that, you know, Muslim Education and Africa Cambridge is a non-profit organization entitled by volunteers. So any help that you can give in terms of your time, in terms of your ideas, in terms of your resources, in terms of your uh, funds, that would be very much appreciated, inshallah. Jazakallah We'll take a couple of questions from people. Yeah, okay. Yeah, inshallah. Sisters, questions? Brothers, questions? Yes. Yeah. What is the ruling for uh, people who are working in a company uh, that company is involved in some sort of harm business? Uh, in the past, what is this number? Uh, is, it, is it doubt and uh, fear? Uh, the fear, you know, the halal income uh, and the doubt. So, shall we be in doubt that our income is halal uh, haram and we leave it? Or you know the thing about working is that you know when you work for someone you are getting the payment for your own work how they make money is their, their problem what we say is money does not carry the, the sin sin basically is your direct transaction if you work for the pool if there is a robber he does robbery and he employs some people to build a house for him and the poor people, they come for the labor, they work for him. So what is paid to these, these people, laborers, it's a halal money. But what he, he has done, that's haram for him. So you basically are questioned about your direct transaction. If you work for someone and your work is fine, you, you charge money only for your work and you paid for that, that is halal for you. That person where he gets money, where he, you know, because every money keeps moving from one source to other source. Every money has got some debt somewhere. But you are responsible for your do direct transaction. So that's why people are working like in the banks or some other places, especially in the Muslim countries, you know, it is fatwa, it is allowed for the people. Okay. Yeah, allowed, yeah. Brothers and sisters, just may I also remind that there is food for sale, two pounds each, the biryani and juice, inshallah, if you want to buy them before you go. And brothers and sisters who are leaving, if you can please leave quietly because we are just continuing for another five more minutes before we break, inshallah. Uh, sisters, do you have questions? No, nobody? Okay. Mm -hmm. In the second hadith, like, um, when Jibreel he asked the Prophet the three questions, mm -hmm. or their fault. Um, the first two, he replied saying, but when he asked about Ihsan, there is a certain reason why he didn't say that Sadaqta there is a specific reason. Yeah, that's a good question. Really. I never thought about that. Let me think about that. Then I can. Be, I don't have the answer now, but I have to think about that, inshallah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he must have some, some good income. All income is haram. 
You know, if somebody's all income is haram, nothing is pure, yeah, then don't, don't eat it. But if, if some income is halal, then for common people, ulama allow that you can, because you know, people have friendship and all those things. Not for the ulama, not for the scholars, but common people, they can eat, you know, for anything. If somebody has got, you know, but if by somebody has no, no pure income, nothing, yeah, then don't eat from there. In the Bukhari, what is, what is there? Not Lutfa. No, I didn't check in the in Bukhari. But the thing is, it is said very clearly, Mithla Dalika, Mithla Dalika, 40-40. And I look in the commentary, all of them said all together because of 120 days. So that is the fatwa. All the jurists, the fatwa is that in life basically because when it is 120 days. So after that, they said no abortion is allowed, nothing is allowed. Before that, then no life, still it is forbidden, but for certain reasons it can be allowed. But once it is 120 days, then they said it's not allowed. But anyway, you know, I have to, I, 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 I don't know, you know, that information. So I have to look for that, inshallah. Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <coughs> you know, the way of, to receive the knowledge in Islam, and according to, to Muhaddithin, there are eight ways how people can receive the knowledge from their teachers. Eight ways. But among those eight ways, I'm not going to explain all those eight, because, you know, it is big details in the Usul Hadith, inshallah, if I teach sometime, I'll teach. But among all those eight ways of receiving the knowledge, three of them are most important. And I'm going to explain these three, inshallah, so you understand actually how it works in the hadith. The first one is As-Sama'a, Seen, Meem, Alif, Ayn, As-Sama'a. And the second one is Al-Qira'atu ala shaykh Al-Qira'atu ala shaykh And the third one is Al-Ijazah. Al-Ijazah. <coughs> what we mean by As-Sama'a, meaning of Sama'id, that the teacher reads the hadith and the students, they hear the hadith. The teacher is the reader and the people who attend, they listen from the teacher. Like the companions used to come to the Prophet وسلم, and he used to teach them hadith. So that is called sama'a. And second one is that you come to the teacher, students come to the teacher and they read to the teacher. Like, you know, these like uh, 40 hadith I know, I have been reading to you. That is sama'a. You have got sama'a. If you read to me, that is Al-Qira'a, Al-Qira'atu ala shaykh These two ways, whether teacher reads or the students read to the teacher, these two ways are the best way of, basically, of receiving the hadith and receiving the knowledge. 
maybe actually if you can read the computer, I can you know write the, these words. Do you know Sama'a and Qira'a Al-Sheikh? sheikh they are the best ways to, to receive the knowledge. I'm going to write the, these words. Okay, that's <coughs> So as I mentioned, that there are eight ways how to receive the knowledge. Among those eight ways, the best one are three. And these three are Al-Sama'a, then Al-Qira'atu Al-Sheikh, and the third one is Al-Ijaza. Sama'a means hearing, that you come to the teacher and the teacher reads hadith and you hear, you listen from the teacher. Like for example, I have been teaching you hadith from 40 hadith from Nawi, so I have been reading and you are hearing. That is Sama'a. <coughs> Al-Qira'atu Al-Sheikh means that the students, they read the hadith and the teacher is listening. The teacher is there, he is present there and the students, they read the hadith, that Al-Qira'atu Al-Sheikh. These two ways of learning and receiving the knowledge, they have been the most important. And all the early people, they were more concerned about these two ways. You know, whether they to hear from the teacher or they come to the teacher and they read to the teacher. People of Medina like Imam Malik and many people like him, they did not make any distinction between first two. Whether you read to the teacher or the teacher reads to you, to these people both are the same thing. So if you listen, hear hadith from the teacher, or you read to the teacher, in both ways it is actually proper knowledge and when you narrate the hadith, you can say haddathana or akhbarana. You can say teacher has narrated to me or told me, both were equal. According to the people of Medina, Imam Malik and many many people, there is no difference between your reading to the teacher or teacher's reading to you. And both ways you can say haddathana or you can say akhbarana, they did not make difference. But people of Iraq or people of Syria, or, you know, they had difference. They say if you hear the hadith from the teacher directly, that is sama, that is the highest. And the next to it is when you read to the teacher, to account to the people of Iraq or people of Syria, the second, this order actually meant. So sama was the highest one, and then after that, al-qira'atu al-shaykh, reading to the shaykh. And what they made difference is, if you hear the hadith from the teacher, then you can say haddathana. And if you read to the teacher, then you, then you will say akhbarana. Is it clear? According to Malik and many people, there is no difference between haddathana and akhbarana. There is no difference that teacher reads to you and you read to the teacher. And both ways you can say haddathana and akhbarana. But according to people of Iraq and people of Syria, the difference there have been. The difference is, when you hear from the teacher, that is talk. And then you can say haddathana. If you read to the teacher, then you, you will say akhbarana. So for example, I have been reading the hadith. According to these people, you can say haddathana. You know, it is that best because you, know, you are allowed to say haddathana. And these people, they are insisting so much that when they used to come to the teachers, they used to insist that teacher must read. Because if they read to the teacher, it is second degree. They want to get the highest one. And one of the uh, stories that Hisham ibn Ammar, Hisham ibn Ammar, who is teacher of Imam Bukhari, and he is a student of people like uh, Imam Malik and many others. Hisham ibn Ammar, as a boy, young boy, he came to Medina to study Muatta with Imam Malik. And Imam Malik's way has been that he did not read. People have to read to him. Imam Shafi came to Imam Malik, he read. Everybody who came to Imam Malik, they have to read to Imam Malik. Imam Malik never read. But people of Iraq and Syria, they think 
if the teacher reads that the highest one to when hisham kept ma malik he insisted on malik that you must read and hisham is just young boy hisham amar young boy and malik is you know great teacher and all the big people around him imam malik became angry and then he asked one of the boys in the class class go and hit him 17 lashes and you know he did you know a small thing for boy but 17 time imam malik was angry so then hisham started crying imam malik realized that you know he did mistake he should not punish the student in this way so now you know he regrets that he said to his students now you have two choice if you like you can hit me in revenge 17 times as i did with you because this is the way of islam if somebody hit someone unnecessarily then they they can take the revenge you can hit me with the same lashes uh, you know 17 time or if you like i can read to you 17 hadith as you wanted so the student he came that for that purpose anyway so he said no no read me to me 17 hadith imam malik read to him 17 hadith then the student said to imam malik hit me more and read more so because he came to that he wanted to read hadith listen hadith from malik so you can see how keen they have been to listen hadith from malik so that is actually because i call to some people that that's top quality so i'm not going more detail and that has something has been established in later period in later period that is if well established norm if people hear from the teacher they will say haddathana and imam bukhari imam imam muslim all these people in their book when they say haddathana it means those hadith they have heard from their teacher when they say akhbarana then it means they they have read to the teacher whenever you see any later book when you see haddathana akhbarana you should know this is the difference haddathana means that they have got the hadith from the teacher he read to them and when they say akhbarana meaning is that the students read to the teacher and uh, uh, and then they got the hadith the third thing is ijaza ijaza basically what happened in a later period especially in the 3rd century on uh, after that when the books of hadith have been written in such big number and now the students are traveling from everywhere in the world central asia and here and there and they go to iraq they go to baghdad they go to kufa they go to basra they go to damascus they go to egypt everywhere they don't have enough time to read all the books to uh, to, the, to the teachers so sometime what the students do they will read some hadith and then after that the teacher will say okay you read few hadith and now rest of the book you can can narrate to me narrate from me i have given ijaza to you so sometimes they used to read part of the hadith part of the book and the rest of the book teacher used to give as ijaza and then they can narrate that and very often they used to say akhbarana or sometimes they will say akhbarana ijazatan or akhbarana idnan or ambana ijazatan they will make it clear but later people they don't make anything clear they say akhbarana for any ijaza in the beginning ijaza was very you know specific thing for a specific, a specific book like for example one of the hadith that very often comes in sahih bukhari and many people think that's also ijaza one of imam bukhari the uh, teacher is abul abul yaman uh, in uh, he narrates hadith from shuaib ibn abi hamza and shuaib narrates from zuhri many people think when abul yaman came to shuaib to learn hadith from from him shuaib did not teach him shuaib was actually very ill to so what abul yaman did Uh, Abu Yaman copied the whole book of Shu'aib and said to Shu'aib this is your book and to Shu'aib give me ijaza and then Shu'aib gave him ijaza to so Abu Yaman has been narrating those hadith from Shu'aib ijazatan and the Bukh- sahih bukhari actually is full of the hadith of Abu Yaman bukhari will say haddathna Abu Yaman qala akhbarana Shu'aibun to so bukhari uses the word akhbarana and one of the reason basically is because Abu Yaman according to many people did not get those hadith from Shu'aib in hearing or reading it was more more likely by ijaza 
So it, this actually is one of the earliest examples of the ijaza. But anyway, in the beginning, ijaza used to be specific. That you know, you come to the teacher, a specific book, teacher will say, this is my book, my writing, take it, oh, you know, I, I, I give ijaza, and people used to take. But later on, ijaza became actually more, more, uh, you know, loose. People you start giving ijaza for everything. For example, teacher will say, I have given you ijaza of all my books, of all my hadith. Now, for example, very often now people, teacher would write that I just who bema tasahuli wa anni rewayatuhu. I have given so and so ijaza of art or those things which people can narrate to me and which actually I have got ijaza from my teachers. So they give ijaza amma. Then now it is called al ijadatul amma. Ijazul Amma basically means the teacher will say to the student, I have given you ijaza of all my hadith. Whatever I can narrate, it is ijaza for you. This ijaza is not a knowledge because you did not hear anything from the teacher and teacher did not read to you anything. Just he has given ijaza. Because in later centuries to save the knowledge, people allowed this ijaza. In the beginning, they were a little bit you know, reluctant. They were not uh, you know, uh, very happy with that. But anyway, later period, ijaza became well established and people started using it. But the condition for the ijaza always have been that when you receive any knowledge from, from the, by ijaza, that does not make you alim. For example, if I tell you that you, know, you can narrate Sahih Bukhari from me, that does not make you scholar of, of Sahih Bukhari. What they say is, keep that ijaza. Later on, when you learn Sahih Bukhari, you become alim, then you can use that ijaza that is not narrating Sahih Bukhari. You know, this actually how to, ijada basically means that you are, you know, you have been given something with a condition. And the condition is later on when you learn and you are qualified, then after that you can use the ijada. And now actually because very often what happens, people come to the classroom, sometimes they miss some hadith and they don't listen properly. Now the people have made actually also condition. It is best for the teacher that after every teaching, they should give ijada as well. So if the students have missed some hadith or some part of the hadith, so at least they get ijaza. So this ijaza basically is only to allow them to use the isnad of the shaykh. For example, I have received Sahih Bukhari or Sahih Muslim from my teachers who have got from their teachers. Going back to Imam Bukhari Muslim, rahmahumallah ta'ala, if I give ijaza, so later on when you learn those books and you start teaching, so you can use my isnad. You can say, I have, I, have, I, I have got ijada from so and so, from so and so. It makes you connected with the Prophet Sallallahu And that's why Muhaddathin say that what can be better than this ijada? Because this ijada makes you the last person in a chain of narration where the Prophet Sallallahu is the first one. You see, you are connected with the Prophet Sallallahu It is like genealogy. You become like, you know, in his family, family of scholars. So you really feel everybody in your chain of narration as they belong to you, they are your ancestors. So ijada basically makes you to be connected with those pious people. But no doubt, certainly, you know, it is very clear that ijada does not make anybody alim. To become alim, to become a scholar, you need to learn. But ijada gives you barakah, gives you blessing. Ijada makes you connected with the Prophet with Imam Bukhari, with Imam Muslim, with Imam Tirmidhi, with all the people. So later on, at the end of the day, I am going to give ijada of the 40 hadith. It basically is your connection with Imam Nawawi. So you know it, and that that why you know all the people of the hadith they insist that whenever anybody teaches any book of the hadith, if they don't have proper sama or qira ala shaykh, at least they must have ijada from the shaykh because that make connection and that give the barakah. 
So people, before teaching any book of the Hadith, first thing is receive the knowledge properly. And then after that, you must have ijaza, which can connect you with the authors of those books. Then the barakah comes. Without any isnad, without connection, teaching basically, many people don't allow, like Imam al-Hafid, Murtada al-Zabidi al-Bilgrami, rahmallahu ta'ala, he has written, it is not allowed for anybody to teach Sahih Bukhari or Muslim or any works of the Hadith if they don't have ijaza. Because there is no connection. So at least they must have ijaza. Ijaza makes you connected with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with all those people. Is it clear? If you have any question, please ask. Then I move to next thing, inshallah. What happened? Yeah. Working? Yeah. Do you have any questions? Okay. Can you open? There's a question about Ijaz being sensed up, we would then get Ijaz mistakes. So does that mean that we can take this Ijaz back to where we have a problem and then uh, teach the Hadith, same thing that you taught us? Or does it just mean that we just have a stick of connecting this to the Prophet? The question is related to Ijaz. Um, does that mean that we can take this course that we've done, this course that we studied, the knowledge of this course, mm. and go way back to our communities or our families and teach the 40 hadith as you have taught us? Or does this mean that we just have uh, a stiplet or a bijaza connecting us to Pakistanis? You know, teaching actually is a different matter because the thing basically to teach these books, people need to know Arabic language properly. Uh, they need really certain knowledge of the fiqh and the hadith and you know all Islamic traditions. Uh, so t for the teaching actually I will uh, you know suggest that you know if people meet uh, their teachers uh, you know properly directly and then the, if the teachers really feel that you know you are qualified to teach any of these works and then they allow you teaching that's different matter. Because ajada basically you can keep it, use it. Once you become qualified for teaching then you can, you can use this connection. But teaching is a different matter because you know it is by reading, by listening from the teacher, you know, does not mean really you are qualified to teach uh, because it, it, it requires certain things uh, and people can do sometimes mistakes, there can be some sometimes mis misunderstanding. So, you know, keep the ijada, that, that has given you connection, but keep learning more and more. When your teacher says now you have reached that, the, the stage, now you can teach, then you, you can teach and then you use the ijada. Then you can give your own ijada to your students using this ijada. You know, Imam Malik said, Imam Shafi said, Imam Malik Rahmullah said, you know, I only started giving fatwa when 70 of my teachers told me that you are qualified to give fatwa. So Imam Shafi said, I said to him, had they not told you to give fatwa, what you have done? He said, then I never have done, uh, given fatwa. So you can see 70 of his teachers. So don't rush for these things. The way basically is keep learning, keep learning. The time will come when the teachers say, now you are really qualified. You can teach, you can give fatwa, you can teach hadith, you can narrate hadith. Then teach and narrate hadith and use this, uh, this ajada and this nadi, inshallah. Is it clear?
Is it possible to get ijaza from the online course, or we have to be in the presence of the chef? The thing basically, ijaza now has become so loose. I'm not going to detail of all those ijazas. That's why very often actually many of these ijazas, they are losing their importance. So, you know, I, I really feel that people should at least travel to the teachers. Because, you know, the reason the early muhaddathin did not like ijaza is because ijaza is going to abandon the traveling. And traveling in the past of that is very, very important. So, you know, maybe some people are allowing these things, but I really say that, you know, make some effort, come to the teacher, because when you meet the teacher, you learn more. Because looking at the teacher, being in the company of the teacher, you learn many, many things. And this, this tradition coming with certain culture, you know, besides that, there's a the culture as well, there's sunnah as well, there's a way of teaching and learning and behaving. People have to learn those things as well. So, you know, maybe some people allow, but Islam thing really is, you know, ijada itself is a weak thing. And then you go to the weakest ijada that makes very, very weak. So, you know, make effort to go to the highest, best, best possible ijadah, inshallah, to meet the teacher directly and then give, get ijadah from him. Uh, and especially, actually, people should make more effort to learn something. Because once you have studied things properly, then get ijadah from many you. But if there's no knowledge, nothing, is there just ijadah. So, you know, even if you got thousands of ijadah, they don't make anything. But at least learn something properly, systematically, and you become a alim, and then get many, many more ijadah, so they will support you, help you, inshallah. They can tell their family, they can tell their friends, they also can teach the people. As long as things are not complicated and things are really easy to understand. And when they have any problem, they can contact the teacher directly or any other person who can explain to them. There's no harm in, the, in that. But proper teaching, you know, like formal teaching, that only should be done when actually somebody has got proper, you know, ijada from the teacher that now you can teach. So, you know, otherwise, you know, passing the information and telling people what you have learned, that's not hard. People should do any, anyway. Whenever you learn, for example, there are so many things about piety, fear of Allah, about Islam and Iman. Yeah, it is good that you learn and you act upon them and then you teach other people as well teach your family and all those things. That teaching, informal teaching, that's not a problem. And using uh, the material for dawah, there's no harm. But formal teaching, where people learn from you, then also become student, they become teacher, that sh people should wait until they really, they, you know, teacher trust in them and they give them ajada, then there is baraka. Then you can see the baraka. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hadith number 14, uh, about the blood of a Muslim. Um, I was wondering about the, um, because some, some, some people can take the killing literally, and we've seen some people calling other people as apostates and killing them. What about a Muslim who was born as a Muslim, but chose not to be a Muslim afterwards? Is that called an apostate and being, and we be killed afterwards? Um, so I was just wondering about when do we, so then how, how do we apply this hadith today, hadith number 14, about the blood of a Muslim, and whether any of the current countries that call themselves Islamic, do they actually, should, should they actually go ahead and kill whoever stops being a Muslim? Although those people may be born a Muslim, but didn't choose to be a Muslim, so they should have You know, this is
where the way to understand actually is that you know some of the details of the Islamic law they basically belong to a Muslim community community which already is very much established in Islam and now we we want to protect that community and protect the identity of the community and to protect the values of of of, of that community. So like in Madinah Munawwara, when the Prophet ﷺ made proper Muslim society, so there are certain values. They must be protected. So if anybody rebels and anybody who creates a disorder in the society or anybody who challenges any part of the main values of the society, then he's a threat to the whole thing or all the effort. So then the people like that who create disorder or, you know, or the confusion in the society, they must be dealt strictly, you know, I, I, you know and, and the punishment should be as severe as, as possible. So many of those hadiths basically belong when the Islamic society is properly established and the values are well known and generally the Islamic society, they observe those values and then now one or two people come and they challenge them or they question them or they, or, or, or they want to create this disorder. So this is like rebellion. So when that rebellion is happens in Muslim, Muslim society, then the people who are in the authority, they have a right, actually that is their duty to keep the law and order as much as possible. So that actually belongs to that stage. But you know, like in our time mostly, you know, the world is not like that. We don't have really any place where Islamic society has been properly established on Islamic values. Even those countries where Muslims are a majority and where we have got Muslim rulers, even most of these Muslim rulers, they are not true believers. They, are, they don't have full submission to Allah Basically in their heart, they don't have loyalty to Allah and His Messenger. They don't have Nasiha Lillah Wale Rasulihi. Their loyalty is somewhere else. So that why, you know, I follow the opinion of those people who say at the moment in the world, there is no Darul Islam and no Darul Kufr. There is no house of Islam and no house of Kufr. The whole world basically is Darul Da'wa, the house of Da'wa. Basically meaning is that we are in the stage when we call people to Islam and make effort to make Islamic values to become deeper in the society. So we don't have any values anyway. We don't have any, any proper society. So those hadiths, they belong for a later stage. That stage has not come yet in our time. Is it clear? Um, can I just ask a question? Just there was a hadith I heard that uh, one of the uh, Arab, one of the Bedouins, uh, became a Muslim and then left Medina uh, and then became ill when he became a Muslim. So he said, I don't want Islam because it brought up illness to him. So he, he left Medina and Muhammad left him to leave without killing him, although he became a Muslim and apostated afterwards. So is this. You know, that's amazing. Please to say that we don't kill apostates or because. Obviously, in the course of Dawah, people ask us uh, whether... Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, really, people, people are only allowed when anybody changes the religion can create confusion or basically disorder in the society. Like when somebody, some hadith comes, al-mufariqul al-jama'ah, somebody who leaves the religion and he challenges the, the whole group, he becomes like rebellious. So that way you can see among the scholars uh, this matter that when somebody changes the religion, you know, how we are going to deal, it is not only one way, there are so many procedures for that. Um, but this is not the class of the fact, but anyway, the simple thing basically is that nobody takes it, you know, so straightforward, you know, because this is not so easy thing and killing off anybody is no, not so easy. So the main thing basically, main common thing, a common argument for all those scars basically is that whenever any changing of the religion can bring any disorder to society and rebellion, then it must be dealt strictly and firmly properly. That meaning it could be sometimes killing of the person and sometimes other punishment by like putting the person in, in, the, in, in the prison for, for, for a long period. There are so many of these uh, uh, options, uh, you know, uh, we can find the books of Musannafat and other things. 
So, you know, I cannot give one straight fatwa, but basic thing I understand really, we have not reached to that stage. At, at the moment, Islamic, there, we don't have any proper Islamic society. So we don't need to defend anything. The, we basically are in the stage of da'wah to call people to Islam and to make effort really to that Islam, uh, Muslim society should, should become, you know, based and established properly on those values. Okay, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Al Hadith Thamin Ashar. An Abi Dharrin Jundub ibn Junadata, Wabi Abdir Rahman Muad ibn Jabal, Radiallahu Ta'ala Anhuma, Al Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Akal, Ittaqillah Haythuma Kunta, Waatbi Sayyi Atal Hassanata, Tamhuha, Wahalikin Nasa Bihulukin Hassan, Rawahu Trimidiyu Wakala Hadithun Hassanun, Wafi Badin Nusakh. Hasanun Sahihun. This hadith, hadith number 18, before I explain the hadith, <coughs> there is a small problem in this hadith, uh, according to Muhaddithin. The hadith in, in Sunnah of Imam Tirmidhi, Rahmullah Ta'ala, and Imam Tirmidhi, after narrating this hadith, he said that this hadith is Hasan. And in some nuskhah that is written, hadith is Hasan Sahih. That basically is incorrect because the hadith has got some problem according to uh, major Muhaddithin. First thing is, this hadith is in, in, Tirmidhi, in Sunan Tirmidhi, in Kitab, Kitabul Birri Wasila, Kitabul Birri Wasila, where the Tirmidhi have narrated the hadith from Sufyan al-Thawri, from Habib ibn Abi Thabit, from Maymun ibn Abi Shabib, from Abu Dhar, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and another version is, from, Abu, from Mu'ad ibn Jabal, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And then Imam Tirmidhi, Quotes his teacher Mahmoud ibn Ghailan al Marwazi as saying that Hadith of Abu Dhar is more correct. So, this Hadith in Tirmidhi had narrated from two companions. One is Abu Dhar and second Mu'ad ibn Jabal. Abu Dhar or Mu'ad ibn Jabal with the same Isnad. Then Tirmidhi quotes one of his teacher Mahmoud ibn Ghailan al Marwazi as saying that the narration of Abu Dhar is more correct. This is what Tirmidhi has said. But there are many people of the Hadith. They say, Hadith basically is not like that. It's not should be, An Habibin, the second one, An Habib, An Maimunin, Mursalan. Meaning with Maimun in Abi Shabib, narrates a Hadith and does not mention name of any companion. He says, he just narrates directly from the Prophet If the second version is more correct, then Hadith never can be Sahih and never can be Hassan, because one link is missing. Maimun narrates from the Prophet وسلم, and Maimun is not a Sahabi, Maimun is a Tabi'i. So between Maimun and between the Prophet وسلم, a link is missing. To equate many Muhaddathin, the second one where the link is missing, this is more correct. And the first one, there is a mistake in that. <coughs> is it clear? Imam Darquti Ta'ala, who is one of the great critics critic of the Hadith, he prefers the second version. Which version? An Habib, An Maimun, Mursalan. To meaning the Kaat Imam Darqutani, this hadith is disconnected. This hadith is Mursal. If this is Mursal, then it cannot be Sahih and it cannot be Hassan. Imam Abu Abdullah Al Hakim Al Nasaburi, one of the great Imam of Hadith, Al Hakim Abu Abdullah Al Nasaburi. Just let me explain a little bit about him so you know one should be aware. Al-Hakim Abu Abdullah Nasaburi is a very important figure in the field of the Hadith. And in his time, there are people who say, Sahih Hadith, they are very little. Only Sahih Bukhari Muslim. 
تو ہی سے نو دیر آر مینی آدر صحیح حدیث وچ بخاری مسلم ڈی ناٹ مینشن بٹ دے آر دیر دین ہی روٹ اے بک المستدرک علی الصحیحین المستدرک علی الصحیحین ان وچ ایکچولی ہی براٹ مینی آف دو حدیث وچ آر ناٹ صحیح بخاری اور صحیح مسلم اور دین ہی پروفز اور دین ہی میکس سپورٹ آف ہیس پوائنٹ دیر دے آر صحیح دو دے آر ناٹ صحیح بخاری مسلم تو ان ہیس بک آلسو ہی ایز مینشن دی سیم حدیث آف ترمیدی اور آفٹر دیٹ ہی سید He said, Sahihun ala sharti shaykhaini. This hadith is sahih and this is on the condition of Imam Bukhari and Muslim both. So that was Hakim does. Hakim narrates hadith in the book Mustadrak and he will tell you this hadith is sahih on the condition of Bukhari Muslim or sahih on the condition of Bukhari or sahih on the condition of Muslim. About this hadith, Imam Hakim Abu Abdullah Naisaburi, he said, this hadith is sahih on the condition of Bukhari and Muslim both. You know, if it is sahih on their condition, why don't they have? You know, there is this question actually keeps coming all the time anyway. But just think really, according to people of the Hadith, Hakim's claim that this Hadith is on the condition of Bukhari Muslim is actually wrong claim. It is, it is mistake. It is never correct. There are two reasons for this. The first reason is that Maimoon ibn Abi Shabib, you know, Maimoon ibn Abi Shabib, one of the narrator Maimoon ibn Abi Shabib, this, this narrator, he is not on the condition of Bukhari. Bukhari have no single hadith from him. So how this hadith can be on Bukhari's condition? Bukhari never narrated any single hadith from Maimoon ibn Abi Shabib. Even Muslim has no hadith from Maimoon ibn Abi Shabib except one hadith in Muqaddimah. And people of the hadith say Muslim's condition for Muqaddimah is basically easier or less than his condition in the main Sahih. So it could be that Muslim narrates hadith from some people in Muqaddimah, but it is not necessary that he will narrate their hadith in the main Sahih. So Maimun never has occurred in the main part of Sahih Muslim. Maimun's name only came once in the Muqaddimah of Sahih Muslim. So if you take that, you can see really one of the important narrators in this hadith, Maimun Abi Shabib, he is neither on the condition of Bukhari, or he is not also on the condition of Muslim. And second problem in this hadith is, that according to people of the hadith, Maimun never has got hearing of any hadith from any companion. He never heard. If Maimun did not hear any hadith from any companion, his hadith never can be in Sahih Bukhari Muslim. Because one of the important conditions for Sahih hadith, especially for Bukhari Muslim, is that the connection must be established. And he never has any hadith from, from any companion. And here he narrates from Abu Dhar and Mu'ad ibn Jabal. So for these two reasons, this hadith never can be sahih on the condition of Bukhari Muslim. Similarly, when in some naskad of Muslimidir said, Hasanun sahihun, this sahih, according to people actually, is a mistake. It could be Hasan. And Hasan meaning basically, it is disconnected, that with the support of the meaning of the hadith from other sources, we can say it is Hasan. Though it is still actually a problem. So this is the problem about hadith. But for the reason why, for which, Imam Nawi has mentioned the hadith in his book, in, uh, according to many ulama, this hadith can be used for that purpose. Because as I mentioned, if hadith is da'if, weak, and the weakness is because of the connection, because of the tasal, still according to many people, it can be used in the fadail, not in the amal fadail. And the problem here is only connection. Because, you know, people say, Maimun narrate hadith, in this hadith, and the, between uh, Maimun and the Prophet sallallahu link is missing or between Maimun and Mu'ad Mu 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 Mu
So there is something you know disconnected. So if it disconnected, it still required too many people, it can be used for the virtues for the fadail. Is it clear? So this is the main argument you know in, in this hadith on the chain of narration. Now I'm coming to the meaning of the hadith. The Prophet said, Ittaqillaha haytho ma kunta. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you are. You know, taqwa is not same like khawf. I don't understand really what people what it means really. Khawf basically just means fear. Taqwa means a fear which can be translated into practice. Means a fear which can make you to follow the commands of Allah and to avoid his maharim. So when taqwa and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes so deep in the heart of the people that they avoid all the haram, then taqwa is real taqwa. And that for that purpose, actually, ulama say there are two conditions for taqwa. One of them is khawf, fear of Allah, and second thing is muraqaba, that the person all the time keeps thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah is there, Allah is observing him. If these two conditions are there, then people can get taqwa. What are the two conditions? Al-khawf wal-muraqaba. Khawf means fear of Allah. You have got the fear of Allah in your heart, that if you commit sin, he will punish you. I know fear, fear of his greatness, fear of his punishment, fear of the fire of hell. And second thing is muraqaba, that every time when you do something, you always see that he is there. He is looking at you. So when khawf and muraqaba both are there, then taqwa comes. And taqwa basically in practice, it is not only in theory. Taqwa comes in the practice. So if people don't avoid haram and they keep doing haram things, they are not muttaqi. Taqwa is not there. So taqwa basically, when taqwa comes, then people must avoid the haram. Taqwa is basically key thing for this religion. Understand this properly. Very often people emphasize on so many minor branches of the religion. And you go to this mufti, that mufti, so many things. Know this thing very clearly. Those minor branches, they are not so important. Even in those matters, if you do mistakes, it is not such a big thing. What a big thing in the religion is taqwa. Fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowing him properly and avoiding the haram properly. Quran always teaches people about taqwa. And Quran says, Man yattaqillaha ij'al lahu makhraja. Quran is all the time, you know, full, uh, book is full about teaching of taqwa. Without taqwa, there basically is no religion. Religion of Islam cannot exist without taqwa. If people follow Imam Hanifa, Imam Malik, or Imam Shafi, Rahmullah Ta'ala, Imam Ahmad Hanbal, in every minor details, but they don't have taqwa, fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it, this following of Abu Hanifa and Malik is not going to benefit them. Imam Hanifa, Rahmullah Ta'ala, Malik, they are teaching those people who fear Allah, then they come to them to solve their problem. But if people have no fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, teaching of Imam Hanifa and Malik is not beneficial for the people. The first thing, the most important thing, that every Muslim must make effort to create, to, to get Christ Taqwa. As you make effort to become Muslim, the second most important thing actually is to make effort to learn how to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you are alone, don't commit a sin. When you are in your family, don't commit the sin. When you are with the people, don't commit the sin. You know, like Abdul Qadir Jirai Rahmullah used to say that there are many, many people, when they are on the member, they teach, giving sermon, they are teaching in the classroom, they are Siddiq. Like Abu Siddiq Allah Taranho. But when they are in their house, they are Zindiq. So this is not taqwa. Taqwa basically is that you are strict for yourself, more than anyone else. So keep that in mind. Before you going in any details of the religion, First thing actually make, make effort how to create taqwa. When taqwa comes, then people's relation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes stronger and then people's relation with other people also becomes stronger. Then many, many problems which are happening in the houses, in the community, in the society, they will disappear. 
many questions only come because people don't have taqwa and many problems only exist in the society because people don't have taqwa allah's ways when people have taqwa allah will solve their problem allah's ways when people have taqwa he will provide them give them provision from where they cannot understand quran says that whoever fears allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they will get provision from where they cannot imagine and whenever people do taqwa allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes them successful in this world and in the hereafter if we don't have taqwa the most important thing for us is to get that taqwa to understand that why the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said in taqillaha haytha ma kunta fear allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you are imam hasan basri rahimullah ta'ala says ma zalat at-taqwa bil muttaqina hatta taraku kathiran min al-halal makhafat al-haram hasan basri said that taqwa continue remain with the people of taqwa and they keep in thinking about taqwa until they left many many halal because of the fear of haram now in our time we basically want to use many many haram it's not taqwa people of taqwa they leave halal because of the fear of haram and what we are doing we go to every mufti if he can give fatwa to make haram as halal is it taqwa taqwa is people if you fear allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you basically avoid every single thing to hasan basri saying that taqwa when it becomes deep in in the muttaqin they leave many many haram halal because of the fear of haram abu huraira radhiyallahu ta'ala was asked what is taqwa to he said to the person who asked this this also has been narrated from umar radhiyallahu ta'ala he said have you ever walked on a path which is full of the thorns everywhere the person said yes then abu huraira said fakayfa sanata what you do do قال اذا رايت الشوك عدلت عنه او جاوزته او قصرت عنه whenever i saw any thorn then i avoided that or sometime sometime actually i i made my cloth in a way that i cannot be touched by uh, by the, those thorns so then abu abu hurairah said that is taqwa that is taqwa remain in your live your life very all the time you fear that no sin no disobedience can touch you you know that life should not be for other people your life should be for yourself like for example when you eat you eat for yourself everybody eats for themselves because for their own health you don't eat because the people will praise you that you eat too much nobody going to praise you for that you eat for yourself for your own health similarly taqwa basically for yourself as food is the health of the body taqwa is the health of the soul and the spirit are inside of the people if people eat for themselves similarly people must have taqwa for themselves taqwa never can come for other people to never never do things for the sake of other people as you don't eat for other people if even you are alone you eat as you eat because you want to eat for your health similarly when you are alone you should have taqwa because taqwa is not for other people your taqwa is for yourself if you have taqwa allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make you successful if you have taqwa your problems will be solved when we have problem we want so and so to solve our problem everybody goes to everybody it your problems never can be solved the only way your problems can be solved is you must get taqwa and then allah will solve your problem allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is creator of everything he creates solution people may maybe they find some solution for you but not guaranteed allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make solution for you if husband and wife they have got problem the only way to solve the problem is to get taqwa and then you will see allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create solution for you when you have any problem in your house in the community in the society the best way is come to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repent to him 
and start life of taqwa, you will see all your problems are gone. Taqwa basic guarantee of every solution. Taqwa is basically health of the soul, health of the society, health of the spirit. As food is health for, for the body, similarly taqwa is needed for every individual. If we don't have taqwa, we must fear. Without taqwa, basically there is no healthy Islamic life, no healthy pious life. Ma'aruf al-Karakhi rahimahullah ta'ala had mentioned this narrated this thing from Bakr ibn Khurais. Qala kaif yakuna muttaqiyan man la yadri ma yattaqi. You know, this is very important. Bakr ibn Khurais said, how can somebody be muttaqi when he do, does not know what to avoid? So taqwa needs knowledge as well. That, you know, before, you know, because you must learn. You must learn what haram is. You must learn what are those things which are disliked by your, your creator. What are those things which have been forbidden by the Prophet So people must have proper knowledge of those things and then make effort to avoid those things. So once you get this thing, then taqwa is there. So without taqwa, there is no healthy Islamic life. life. And then hadith says, Haythuma kunta, wherever you are, fisirri wal alaniya. You must get taqwa when you are with the people and you must have taqwa when you are alone. And you can see now really there are so many ways of the sin when people commit the sin when they are alone. Same thing if you are if you are in front of the people, you will not dare to do. But many, many things we do when actually we are not with the people. That's not taqwa. Taqwa basically is taqwa basically is understanding this thing properly that Allah knows my sins, my actions more than anybody else. If for example, if I am sitting and I am committing a sin, if next to me is my father, I will not do that. If I am committing a sin and my father comes there, I will not do sin. I must learn that Allah's presence you know, is stronger than the presence of my father. When my father is there and I don't want to do, I must know that even then or before that, Allah SWT was more close to me than my father. He was looking there. And people of the hadith and fiqh, many pious people say that whenever you do commit a sin, whenever your eye falls on any sin, you should know before your eye falls on the sin, Allah's eye falls upon you. He is now looking what you are doing. Whenever I, my eye falls, for example, a woman is passing by and I want to look at her, I should know before looking at her, Allah looks at me. Allah's eye is quicker than my eye. He now sees what I am doing. So that is a height of Akunta wherever you are. Without this thing, taqwa never can exist. Kana wuhaybu ibn al-Wardi yaqool, khafi allaha ala qadri qudratihi alayka, wastahye minhu ala qadri qurbihi minka. Wuhaybu ibn al-Wardi used to say, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as he has power upon you. You know, how much you fear the, you know, the state? Because to their power. If there is anarchy and the state has no power, nobody fears but when the state gets power and there is a lot order in the, in, the, in the society, everybody has fear. Has fear. So whose power is more? Allah. So that's why Wahib Lord says, Rahimullah Ta'ala, fear Allah Ta'ala as much as he has power upon you. And, and have shyness from Allah Ta'ala as much as he nearer to you. If somebody is far away from me, I don't feel shyness. But when somebody next to me, I feel shyness. I don't want to do anything which, can, which is not liked. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is nearer to me than anybody else. Actually, he is nearer to me than myself. Sometimes it could be that I don't understand myself, but Allah knows me. So Allah, nothing can be nearer to me than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the stories, once a Badwin woman 
young, between young women, she was walking in, uh, in the desert. And there was nobody know, in the night. And then a man came to her and wanted to, you know, to mislead her and wanted to fulfill his needs with her. And he said to her, now in this desert, nobody is here, just me and you. So your family is not there, nobody is there, no man is there who can see. Ma yarana illa kawakib. No one sees us other than the stars. The, this man said to this, this girl, Ma yarana illa kawakib. No one sees us except the stars. But the girl was actually much more wise, much more clever that we can understand. She said, Fa'ayna mokawkibuha. Where is the mokawkib? He said, There no one who sees other than the kawakib. So she said, where is Mokauki? Mokauki means the one who made the stars. You are saying that nobody is seeing us other than the stars. She said, but where is the maker of the stars? Where is the creator of the stars? Allah is there. Allah who made the stars, he is there. So, you know, just think really, this is this very important thing. That whenever, you know, we are, whenever two people are there, the third is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When there are three people, the fourth one is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, you know, don't make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the you know, easiest person among all the people. You know, for example, if you, if you, if your father is there, your friend is there, your relatives are there, you don't commit a sin. And Allah is there, you commit sin. It means that Allah has no importance to you. Allah should not be the lightest, lightest one among all the people. He should not be lightest. We should take him seriously. That way, Junaid Baghdadi says, somebody asked him, How can I seek help? You know, how to lower my eyesight, how to lower my, uh, you know, my eyesight when, when I walk. قَالَ بِعِلْمِكَ أَنَّ نَظْرَ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكَ أَسْبَقُ مِن نَظَرِكَ إِلَى مَا تَنْظُرُهُ By knowing Allah's, Allah's eye is faster than your eyes to whatever you want to look. Whenever I want to see something, Allah has looked at me before my eye force on that. The second thing is, وَأَتْبِعِ السَّيِّئَةَ الْحَسَنَةَ تَمْحُهَا that after every good deed, after every bad deed, de- do some good deed. So this good deed will remove the bad deed. So no doubt, the first thing is a believer should not commit a sin. A believer should not do any bad deed. But if by mistake somebody has done something, then the quick way is repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and immediately after that do something good. So that good deed will remove from you your bad deed. And this basically, uh, and for this purpose, the most effective thing in Islam actually is the prayer. Because the Quran said, أَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ طَرَفَ إِنَّهَارِ وَزُولَفَ مِنْ لَيْلِ إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيِّيَاتِ Establish the prayer on both sides of the, of the day, morning and evening. وَزُولَفَ مِنْ لَيْلِ And parts of the night. Certainly, good deeds, they remove the bad deeds. So the prayer is more effective to remove, remove the bad deeds. And that's why the best thing basically is that, you know, if people, no doubt people within the days keep doing many, many mistakes. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of mercy, he has made five times the prayer. So between two prayers, whatever sins have been done, means minor sins, they are forgiven. And the best way for that purpose is do wudu at your home with proper intention in your heart that you are purifying yourself, cleaning yourself. And then after that, walk to the mosque and attend the prayer in the congregation if you do like that, then basically when you did your wudu, your sins have been dropped. They have been forgiven from you. When you wash your face, all the sins committed from the face, they have been dropped. All the sins committed by the hands, they have dropped. Then when you walk to the mosque, every step that you take, sins are forgiven 
and good deeds are added, added to your, your book. And then when you come for the prayer, you know, you basically become so much pure. So for the purity and for removing the bad deeds, there is nothing more effective than five times the prayer. And if people really do five times prayer by the Udu and the congregation properly, you will see really that many, many sins you leave. Because five times the prayer will not let you to sit with bad friends. Because if you are sitting with your friends and then you say, I am going for the prayer, these your friends after a while, they become tired of you. They say, no, this person is not our friends. You know, every time he goes for the prayer, we cannot sit with him. Your, your bad companions, they will leave you. Similarly, if you have some bad habits watching TV and this and that, and every time, you know, prayer comes and for you go, you yourself will think really that you cannot enjoy that life. After a while, you leave that. If people do five times the prayer according to Sunnah properly, they establish it with Udun properly, you will see many, many sins will go and then Allah, whatever is left, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, will forgive them. So this is at al hasana And also one of the things that also very effective for removing the sin is sadaqah, charity. And the Prophet sallallahu used to say that, you know, save yourself from the fire of hell, even if you spend in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala part of the date. Walau bashiqqi tamratin. So, you know, whenever anybody commits a sin or anything that is a mistake, the best way is give some money in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the poor people that will cover your, 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 your sins. I no doubt that why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the prayer and the sadaqah, the charity, the most important pillars of Islam. The Quran emphasizes so much on hadith because they are very effective to remove the sin and to cleaning us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he loves us, so he wants the believers to have purified life, life, pure life. So for that purity, he has taught us the prayer and the zakat. You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he commands us to do the prayer, he does not want to punish us. The prayer basically is our interest. He commands the prayer so we become pure. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to give charity, it is not that he needs our money. No, he only commands that to purify us, to clean us. So both, both commands of Islam, Salah and Zakah, or Salah and Sadaqah, they basically are very important to clean the people, to purify them, to make them pure, to make, make them worth of sitting and being next to the angels and also the company of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Hadith said, وَخَالِقِ النَّاسَ بِخُلُقٍ حَسَنٍ and when you meet the people, when you deal with the people, deal with good character. This is the way of the believer. Believers, they become pious and they may, are very strict on themselves. They want to leave many, many halal for the sake of, for, for the fear of the haram. But when it comes with other believers, they become softer. They become nicer. They treat them well. They always think that everybody else is better than them. When piety is not there, what happens is, we think since I have got you know long beard and nice Indian clothes, so I am the best pious person. This is what happens. The people who are pious people, they always accuse themselves. They say I am the worst person and everybody else is better than me. And Mawlana Gangohi Rahimullah from India, whose name I mentioned a few times, I like his, his, this story. One sister to ask his students that what do you think about me? Am I a liar or a true person? They said, no, you are a true person. And then he said, by Allah, I believe that everybody among you is better than me. By Allah, I believe in deep my heart that every one of you is better than me. If you know that everybody is better than you, then how can you be arrogant? How can you be proud? And how can you humiliate anybody? How can you backbite anybody? Because you know that you have more mistakes than him anyway. You cannot laugh at people. You will respect the people. So the way of the believer is to have humility. You know, they have taqwa, but at the same time, they are humble. They fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they think that they are worse people. They are not worth of anything. And that actually makes people nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
حسن البصير رحمه الله تعالى السيد حسن الخلق الكرم والبذلة والاحتمال good character means الكرم generosity that you know you give to the people البذلة that whatever you have got make for the people easier they can have easy access to that والاحتمال and if people behave badly you behave nicely but if they behave badly then you tolerate in our culture what actually happening is we only smile at the people when they smile at us the way of Islam is you smile at everybody and even if the people don't smile upon you, still you behave nicely. So you beha your behavior should be nicer and if some people don't behave properly, you must tolerate them, you must bear them and you must be humble in front of them. That is one of the important part of the good character, Al-Ihtimal. Ahmed Hammar Rahmullah said, Husnul Khuluqi an tahtamila ma yakunu minan nas. Good character means that you bear from the people whatever happens from them. Whatever they do, you bear from them, tolerate that. In our, many people don't, many anger, uh, many problems in, in the house, in the society is because we basically are arrogant. We don't, if anybody behaves badly, we cannot bear it. The way is, be nice and when the other person is bad, tolerate him, bear him for the sake of Allah with humility. And I'll tell you a story of Umar to, to make this more clear. A man came to Umar Dallatranho, Umar Khalifa, his caliph in Medina, the man came to him to complain to him the, the bad manner, bad character of his wife. He came there to tell him that how bad my wife is. So he was stayed there that until Umar comes from his house, then he will complain to him. But when he was outside the door of Umar Khattab, he heard, he heard that Umar Khattab, the wife, she is going with him. He, this man heard that Umar Khattab's wife, she is arguing with him and you know and talking with him uh, in bad manner. And he is quiet, no answer, nothing. Then this man went back, thinking, if this is the condition of Amir Mumin himself, how is he going to help me? If he himself cannot have any help against his own wife, how can he going to help me? He left. Umar came out and he saw this man going, he called him and said to him, What happened? What, what is your need? He said, Oh Amir Mumin, I came to complain to you about the character of my wife. And how she argues with me and how she uh, criticizes me so much. But I heard that your wife is doing the same thing. So, you know, then, then I came back. Umar and I said, if this is the condition of a Mumbrin with his wife, you know, how can he help me? So Umar said to, to him, listen, I only tolerated my wife because of her rights upon me. I tolerate her, I bear her because she has got rights upon me. She makes food for myself. And she is She bakes bread for me. She washes my clothes. She takes care of my children. And none of these things are obligatory upon her. It is not her duty to make food for me. It is not her duty to bake bread for me. It is not her duty to look after the children. None is her, her duty. But still she does all those things. She makes food for myself, she makes bread for myself, and she cleans my clothes, and she looks after my children. And when I am with her, then I don't do haram, because I fulfill my desire with my wife. So she makes me to avoid haram. So she is so helpful for me. That's why I bear her, because you know, she, I get so much thing from her. So if she is angry, I don't care. I, 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 I accept her. The man said, oh, my wife is also like that. She also makes food. She also washes the clothes. She does the same thing. 
for Tamil, then Marcel, then you also should tolerate her. You should also bear her. If she is like my wife, you should bear her. Ya akhi, fahtamilha ya akhi, my brother, bear her. Fainnama hiya muddatun yasira. This is very little time. You know, this time will pass. It's not a big thing anyway. You know, this life, this life is a small thing. Just imagine how Amir Mumin, Umar Khattar, the latter has solved the problem. People think Umar is so strict. But you see, Umar is strict against himself. For other people, he gives all the money. But for himself, he's close. They are, you know, how they are. For his own family, how, how, how soft he is. Umar Khattar, the latter, is more strict about himself. How tolerance he has got. So you see, his wife is complaining, saying everything. But he keeps quiet. He remains quiet. This we have to learn. This is Khuluqi Hassan. Good character. Good character not smiling. Good character is in the heart that you bear things which you don't, don't like. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To help us create more content like this and more, please consider supporting us by donating whatever you can. Please visit www.cambridgeislamiccollege.org and click the donate button. Jazakallahu khairan.